Trauma to Triumph podcast. I'm Annabelle Ingleton. I'm your host. I'm a trauma-informed coach who helps people heal their brain and body from the effects of trauma so you can thrive and create anything you want. We are back this week with another great episode titled Coping Mechanisms and Behavioral Adaptations. I have not written one note to go with this episode. <laughs> I typically prepare nowadays because I like to have um, some structure for you guys, but um, I've been sick the past couple days, so excuse me if um, I don't sound as lively as I normally do. Uh, But this week's episode I felt really um, compelled to do because I've been working with my new third quarter clients. So I take new clients every quarter of the year, so there's four quarters, right? So this third quarter started in June and well mid mid to late June and I'm going to have them until almost um, mid-October we have we work together for 12 weeks um, in the trauma to triumph uh, program where I help people heal their brain and body from the effects of trauma they learn the skills of emotional regulation secure attachment um, process traumas through the healing modality psyche and some of the things that we were working on the first couple of weeks is really unpacking a lot of uh, their past trauma, understanding the events, the attachment wounds, how they've created limiting beliefs and unpleasant emotions, thoughts and stories about the world, and then some behaviors. So there's an exercise that we do together that involves getting clear on the behaviors that your trauma has created in an attempt to protect you. And then there's um, an exercise we talk about and work on where we talk about survival patterns or coping mechanisms. And I noticed with this round of clients that it was, for some people, challenging to really get clear on what each of those were. And I I never considered that there was a discrepancy or just like a misunderstanding of which of what coping mechanisms, survival patterns are versus behavioral adaptations or trauma responses. So I wanted to create an episode because I thought this is a great teaching moment. So we're going to get into what each of those mean, how they manifest in your life, what they look like or what they could be and how they affect you. So the first camp that I want to reference are, they're referred to as coping mechanisms or survival patterns. And what these look like are Things that we do when you're not feeling well, when you're in one of the survival states of dorsal vagal shutdown or fight or flight sympathetic, when you're in one of those two or when you're feeling triggered, which however you want to call it, there's so many ways that people reference it. Like I got triggered. I went into a trauma response. I went, you know, I'm I'm in dorsal shutdown. I'm sympathetic. I'm whatever it is that you call it, we'll, we'll go with that. Okay. So when you're activated, we even use that. I, I use activated a lot. And when you're activated, let's say, there's, you're not feeling very well. Ideally, what you, what a quote-unquote emotionally and mentally healthy person would do was would, they would notice that they're not feeling well, that they're in one of the survival states, 
you're either having feelings of stress or worry or anxiety or fear or sadness, depression, anything, worry, and it doesn't feel good. Yeah. And so you would typically what we would want you to do, let's say as a coach or a therapist is under, have awareness around it understand that you're, you went into a neuroception of threat or life, uh, life threat or danger. You, there was a story that you told yourself, you got, you know, this is what I teach my clients anyway. And then you regulate your emotions. Okay. Self-regulate, co-regulate, whatever it is that you need to do to, to kind of bring yourself back down to calm. And, but there's a lot of people that don't know how to do this. And this is why therapists and coaches and all of us fun people help you out. Right. So you're not feeling well Go into one of these states you want to emotionally regulate. Well, when you don't know how to do this, and listen, I didn't know how to do it for most of my life. We, what we will do is we will go to something that will make us feel good. Okay. So a coping mechanism, and this is when you would go to a coping mechanism or a survival pattern, something that is a, a pattern of the thing that you do when you're in one of these survival states. Okay. So when you hear me say coping mechanism, survival pattern, this is what we're talking about. I don't feel good. I need to feel good fast because this feels gross. This feels ugly. This is unpleasant. I am in pain. I need to feel good. What can I do to make me feel better instead of emotional, regulating my emotions? Okay. So let's talk about some things that people do to deal with the pain, physical pain, the emotional, mental pain of unpleasant emotions when you're in a survival state. I can list thousands of things that people do but I would say the main things that most people or at least a lot of my clients do are substance abuse so people smoke marijuana they drink wine let's think about what substance abuse does or substance abuse I should call it substance use okay you're using it very it's not you're not abusing it you're using it very methodically and strategically yeah to you're not feeling you're not feeling good you want to use it to feel good it's going to give you that numbing effect and kind of essentially turn off your like you know your cognitive function and you're going to feel all warm and fuzzy and all the goodness that comes with either drunkenness buzzness highness either of the things and you're not you're no longer feeling or thinking the thoughts that are creating the emotions unpleasant emotions right so this is a very common thing that people use so you're either you're numbing the feelings or you're numbing the thoughts and you're able to relax and so it feels like you're getting back down to calm but really you're just inebriating yourself so that you're not thinking the same thoughts anymore and you're not feeling those you're not paying attention to the same feelings anymore right so this is a very common coping strategy another common one is sex think about all the dopamine and adrenaline and um, oxytocin and everything that runs through your body when you have sex right lots of good stuff Uh, shopping shopping is such a common one and one that I see most often in women we're not feeling good what's going to make me feel good right now and going online and shopping and buying something you get so many hits of those hormones that make you feel good just by looking around at things, thinking about how it's going to look on you or in your house or whatever you're going to use it for. Um, It can, 
gives you it gives you that hit when you hit the checkout, right? And then when you're tracking it online, and then when it's arrive, and then when it arrives, and when you get it in the in the mail, you're like, oh, I forgot what I got. What is this? So there's so many ways that shopping gets you to feel better um, when you're not feeling well, when you're dysregulated. So shopping is very common. Um, gambling is one that's very common. Um, let's see, we, uh, working out, overworking. So one of the things with the things with working out or overworking. Um, is people or like yoga or I'm going to meditate or something really quick to like, like, like it kind of distracts you is what I think it does is it turns off your brain. So you're not thinking the thoughts that are maybe are causing the, the pain or the unpleasant emotions. And so overworking, although it can look like you're just, Oh, I just love working or I'm very successful. Or I just, it, a lot of times people abuse it in the sense that it distracts them from, being aware of their current situation in their life that's creating the pain that's creating the unpleasant emotions so it and it also protects you from other things so so yeah overworking is one and then there's so many other ones guys I mean I can go on forever and ever and ever but these are I, I would say are the main ones that I see with people social media too is one that's very common you're not feeling good you go online you make a post and then or you just go look at all the beautiful people and you get all of especially if you make a post and you get the, the hits of you know dopamine um, or serotonin from the likes that you get these social media platforms are very gamified and so very purposely right they do it so that you can you get you want to go back and look and look and look and so social media can really not only turn off your thoughts but then you can also get a lot of hits of quote-unquote good feelings when you get likes and comments and messages and dms and people viewing your story and all that stuff okay so those are some common coping mechanisms slash survival patterns that people will go into Let's talk about behavioral adaptations or they're called maladaptive patterns or they're also called trauma responses. Now, unlike coping mechanisms and survival patterns that you do when you are not feeling good and you want to immediately feel better, the difference between behavioral adaptations, maladaptive or adaptive behaviors or trauma responses are these are things that you're actually doing to prevent bad feelings from even starting does that make sense so where coping mechanisms you're already feeling like shit oh my god i don't feel good what do i gotta do let me drink a glass of wine instead behavioral adaptations are behaviors that you've now that basically have become part of your personality or your temperament or just who you are that you constantly do in order to avoid feeling pain or going into a survival response or survival, yeah, survival state. Okay. So let's talk about what that may look like. This can look like for people who, let's say you have been um, cheated on in a relationship and now you learned that love is painful and love can hurt and rejection is horrible and you never want to feel that way again so the thought and story that can come from that trauma is I'm I'm better off not being with anybody because if I get in a relationship well I'm gonna get hurt 
So that's the story you tell yourself. And from the story that you tell yourself, the behavior comes after that. So what do I have to do in order to protect myself from never getting hurt again? Because relationships equal pain. So what what do I do to avoid the pain? Okay, not get in relationships. So people can become very avoidant and become very um, um, just, yeah, avoidant and not want to be in a relationship. They maybe just are into casual sex. They don't want to commit. They won't express their feelings. They will not get close. They'll maybe completely stop dating completely for years. Um, and that can also play into another behavior. So, and how do you do that? How do you avoid? That's, that's, so that's one behavior adaptation. Avoid relationships right and then how does that play out in your life well I work a lot so I can avoid relationships and if I avoid relationships I avoid falling in love and if I avoid falling in love then I avoid getting hurt and if I avoid getting hurt that's I'm avoiding pain so that's that's all that all works out for me so some people will overwork again that can look like that's one that I believe can be a coping mechanism and a behavioral adaptation but it's more specific to the behavioral adaptation because you're avoid you're avoiding being close to someone or getting in a relationship. So what it ends up looking like is staying out of a relationship. And the way you stay out of a relationship is keeping so busy in your life that you don't have the capacity to get into a relationship so you don't get hurt. Okay. So that's one behavioral adaptation. So similar to not getting into relationships. And overworking. Another way that some people can avoid getting hurt, and this is probably the thing that I see most common in people, is relationships hurt me. I never want to get hurt again. And that belief creates so many different types of behavioral adaptations. So it plays out in, let's say, overworking. Okay. Another way that it plays out in is isolating yourself. So that can look like completely just always staying home, never putting yourself in a social situation where you have to expose yourself to people and like talk and possibly meet other people. So being isolated is another behavioral adaptation that people will use in order to protect themselves from getting too close to people, aka if I don't get too close, I won't get hurt. Another common behavioral adaptation is procrastination. If you avoid doing the particular thing, then you won't get either rejected or judged or something. So if the fear there is, if I, if I do that thing, I can get hurt. Or if I do that thing, I can be exposed. If I do that thing, people will see me. Or if I do that thing, I will have to be out there and show myself to the world. So instead of doing that, or if I do that thing, I will be judged and People won't think I'm smart or just whatever story it is that you tell yourself. People will uh, procrastinate on doing that thing. So it ends up as it looks like procrastination. But what it is is really a behavior adaptation to avoid the thing that they think will happen if they do the thing. Does that make sense? So let's say, for example, you've tried to lose weight five times. And every time you've tried it, you've either given up, you've stopped you know, you just quit after a couple of weeks, you didn't get the result you wanted. And so now every time you even consider working out because you've stopped or in your opinion, maybe you would call it, you quit, you know, the times before 
you feel like you associate working out as failure and there's a lot of shame and guilt and things that come along with it. So instead of feeling that shame or guilt that comes along with it, because that's what you felt before, instead, you're just going to procrastinate on the working out or the eating healthy. So it looks like procrastination, but again, it's a behavior adaptation to avoid the pain of possible rejection or possible failure, right? Does that make sense? Another behavior adaptation that I see common with my clients and just people in general is choosing the wrong or quote unquote bad person or bad friends or bad person in a relationship over and over. And this may seem like it's just like a mistake or it can seem like it's a bad judgment call or whatever it is, but really it goes a lot deeper than that. So it's typically because there's limiting beliefs about ourselves that we believe we're not worthy or not lovable or not smart enough or not capable or not fill in the blank, false, you know, false lie, um, false story. And because of that belief, um, we've now created a story that like a great, you know, amazing people won't love me or like someone who's a 10 or considered a dime or someone who's really successful or whatever, they're not going to love me because I'm not capable. I'm not worthy. I'm not lovable. I'm not skinny. I'm too old. I'm too fat. Lies, 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 right? So the behavior to protect ourselves from the truth that we believe that is I'm not worthy or the worthlessness feeling that we have. So what we do is instead of being rejected, we don't want to be rejected for that, for that fear of worthlessness. Um, we end up choosing people who aren't really that, um, let's say, high quality, mentally, emotionally, financial, whatever you, however you want to call it, whatever they would look like, because those people, they're not great, but hey, they'll at least choose me. Like they, they'll probably want me. And then we get stuck in choosing partners that we aren't really happy with. We know we don't like them, but we don't think that we deserve better. And so we choose shitty ass partners that treat us like shit, are physically abusive, emotionally abusive, verbally abusive. uh, And we wonder why we do this, but it's an attempt to protect ourselves from getting hurt from like wanting the, the really amazing person that we believe we can't have. I hope that makes sense. Another behavioral adaptation that I notice with people is perfectionism or people pleasing. So let's talk about perfectionism. The way that plays out is if you don't do it perfect, then it's not going to be considered good enough. And if it's not good enough, you will be judged or rejected or what have you. So it needs to be perfect or else you won't put it out there. And or else if, because if it's not perfect, you're going to get rejected or judged, right? So it ends up looking like, it can look like overworking and overproducing, like everything's perfect. You have like the, you know, great body or the great house or the great work or the great, just whatever, however it plays out. And although it's good, I almost call it like success revenge. This plays out in a lot of people's like careers as well. I think they try to um, overperform or overdo. It's like the overdoing um, of life. And, and because they believe that if they don't do that, they won't be lovable. They won't be worthy. They will be judged. They'll be rejected. 
So perfectionism is almost an attempt to manipulate other people's feelings so that you will be quote unquote loved and deemed as worthy and special or just lovable or worthy. Um, it's, it's almost, it's really truly people pleasing. It's, I look at it like manipulation when you're people pleasing, when you're, when you're doing things like perfectionism, you're trying to, to get people to think a certain thing about you. So you're doing something that you maybe not even really want to do, but because you think that if you do the thing, they're going to like you or love you and not judge you in a negative way. So it's, it's really a play on trying to get people to think a certain thing about you. Um, and because if they don't think that thing about you, then, you know, you, you'll get hurt, you'll get rejected. So I hope that makes sense in terms of a behavioral adaptation and people pleasing. I mean, I can go on and on about that. Again, it's very much a, a, a manipulation. You don't want Chinese food. You hate Chinese food, but your boyfriend wants Chinese food. And because you want him to love you and not think that you're a bad person that's not accommodating or that doesn't love him or you're worried that he's going to leave you if you say you hate Chinese food and you want Mexican food, then you acquiesce and say that you want it even though inside you're like dying you're like I don't hate this damn freaking chow mein or whatever so um that's that's how people pleasing plays out and it's again to protect yourself from being rejected because if you show the real you you're worried that if you do show the real you uh you will be hurt so I wanted to really make this this um podcast because I thought it was a really interesting thing how people or just, I just recently saw my clients not understanding what the difference were. And I just randomly or just naively believe that everybody understood what they were, but I can see how they can be confusing. I want to reemphasize that coping mechanisms and survival patterns are things that you do in order to make yourself feel better fast because you're already in a survival state and you feel like shit. And the behavioral adaptations slash trauma responses slash, um, maladaptive behaviors are things that you're that you have basically become kind of personality traits and um, temperaments or things that you do all the time now in order to protect yourself from the pain create from being uh, in pain from from the pain being created right so I hope that makes sense guys um this is a short episode this week, but I thought it was a good one to really clarify. Um, if you have any questions, I'd love to hear from you. Um, we have some really good podcast episodes coming up in the next couple of weeks. I have some great guests coming on the show that I'm really excited to share with you. And I realized that I have not asked you guys for uh, a review in such a long time. So if you've been listening to the show and you like it, if you can please whatever platform you listen to the show on, whether it's Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, whichever um, platform you use, if you could go and subscribe to the show and review it, I'd really appreciate it. It helps with the algorithm um, on any of the show's platforms. Just suggest it more and then it gets heard more and then it's, you know, good marketing and stuff. So if you like the show, um, I'd really appreciate a refer, uh, I'm sorry, a review and um, I hope this episode was helpful. Um, if there's anything that you think I left out or anything you'd like to suggest, please um, do so in the comments, um, in the show notes. And I'm happy to see you guys next week. All right. Have a good one. Mm-hmm.